On today's show, the Hawks lose their fourth consecutive game on this Friday evening, and Luka Doncic became the story even across the NBA with 73 points against Atlanta in this one. It was still close to the end. The Hawks did play well on offense, but defensively, it was a collapse all the way across the board. We'll talk about all of what transpired in this game, the big picture, the small picture, and more, and all of that is on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1639 of Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Friday evening here in late January. And today's show, we'll be diving into what became a narrow loss for the Hawks, 148 to 143. Before we dive into that game, though, I should remind you at the top of the podcast that you should really make us your first listen each and every day. Please subscribe to this show anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple, Spotify, Overcast, etc. on the audio side, as well as YouTube on the video side. And if you missed it, I did a show yesterday in between the games, between for the, on the Hawks between Wednesday's game and tonight's game, and it was mailbag driven, all kinds of trade stuff and cap stuff, etc. And that is still very relevant as of now. So if you missed that show, I encourage you to listen to that one and the entire archive, as well as helping us spread the word about the podcast. But with all that said, this is a game that was a wild one on this Friday. It was kind of like bizarre world in a lot of different ways. It was a profoundly weird game. It was also a, a sort of a historic game, to be honest with you. Um, unfortunately not for the Hawks, but in the end, a four straight loss for Atlanta. They now fall to 18 and 27, including a dismal eight and 13 at San Farm Arena this year. And uh, the biggest story of the night, objectively speaking, was Luka Doncic, who had 73 points. So if you missed the game on Friday and you're waking up to this on Saturday morning and you're just trying to catch up on what, on what transpired, yes, he had 73 points in the game. That is tied for the fourth most points scored in an NBA game ever. Also, it was the most points ever scored against the Hawks by 12. The previous record against the Hawks was MJ in 19, I believe it was 87, something like that, long time ago. Um, also a new building record at the former Omni slash Phillips Arena slash State Farm Arena by 18 points. The previous record was Kevin Durant with 55. So I have all kinds of stats. I will maybe not give all of them, obviously, on a Hawks podcast, but uh, he was dominant in the game, and beyond that, the Hawks just could not stop anybody in this game. We'll talk about that more in a second, but it was certainly a defensive collapse in this one, is what I would point that now. And yes, the Hawks have some interesting matchups coming up in the, in the future. This is the start of a six-game homestand for Atlanta after lots of travel and weirdness, but um, they were in this game all the way to the end. It was uh, it was competitive despite all of those crazy numbers from Luka, but the Hawks offensively were pretty good. Defensively, not so much, and uh, the end result was a five-point home loss for the Hawks. Again, their fourth in a row. So all that says, what we, what we do on the podcast, if you're a new listener, is kind of dive into the big picture, kind of takeaways and observations from the game. And then in the middle of the podcast, we'll talk about kind of how it unfolded with a little bit more detail and nuance in between things. And then at the end of the podcast, we'll talk about kind of how all the players participated in this game, not necessarily grades, but kind of just evaluating all the player stuff analysis-wise. And uh, yeah, the Hawks are actually slightly favored in this game, according to our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, because... By the time tip-off actually arrived, they were the, I don't, I don't want to say healthier, but certainly uh, they were at closer to full strength. Trey Young returned in this one. He cleared the concussion protocol on Friday, and after missing two games, he played in this one. Click Capella was questionable with a calf contusion, so not 100% healthy, but certainly ended up playing in this one. Um, I got questions about DeAndre Hunter a lot in the last couple of days. 
He was out again today, his 18th straight missed game with right knee inflammation. And the Hawks have been pretty tight-lipped about his updates. It's been 17 days since the last update formally by the Hawks. Um, he's been doing some half-court stuff. I asked Quinn tonight, actually, before the game, and he used the word shortly on DeAndre Hunter's return. I'm not sure exactly what that means. The answer was quite long, so I won't play it for you now about kind of what they miss about Hunter. And one of the reasons I asked about DeAndre tonight, beyond just the desire for an update in general, was because Dallas is a matchup, and Luka is a matchup in particular, where Hunter's absence is felt in a big way. Now, I wasn't expecting Luka to have 73 points, but um, I think, you know, Quinn even talked about that a little bit, how, like, he's their best on-ball defender against wings, and that is a, that's 100% true, and I'm not going to act like DeAndre Hunter would have been a savior in this game or for the season, but they do miss him, and that was very clear in this game, and obviously there's still some mystery on how close he actually is to playing. I did try to find that out, but there you go for that. As I mentioned a second ago, Kyrie Irving was out for Dallas in this game, and as was Dwight, was Dwight Powell, who's obviously a lesser player, but no Kyrie meant it was always going to be a lot of Luka in this one. He played 45 minutes in this game. And unfortunately, the Hawks couldn't slow him down or it would have been a little bit more interesting along the way. So we'll start there. Obviously, defensively was the headline in this one. It was a calamity pretty much the entire way for the Hawks. And look, I have to at least acknowledge that Luka was preposterously good in this game. He's one of the best players in the league. Not a huge surprise there. So there's some credit that has to be given to the player. He had 73 points on 41 shooting possessions. So essentially, Luka averaged like 1.75 points per shot or shot possession. That is obviously ludicrous. He only missed eight shots in the whole game. Um, Yeah, he was 17 of 20 on twos, eight of 13 from three. Uh, Just wild stuff all the way around. Um, And I'll talk about more of this later on a little bit when we get into sort of more of the details. But I think the Hawks just didn't have anyone to put on him. And not to go back to Hunter, but without Hunter, who would have been the matchup that they usually would have used, Jalen Johnson was probably the best option, but he is uh, a guy who I think will be a better defender in two years than he is now. He's still just fine now. He's already good. he's already a pretty good defender, but what he's not had a ton of experience with is being the unquestionable primary defender on a primary option on offense, and he was overstretched in that role. Um, Sidney Bay tried to, try, had a turn. He had no chance. DeJounte Murray had a turn where he was at least giving them some more effort in the fourth quarter defensively, but um, none of that stuff was effective at all. And in the first half, Luka killed them as a scorer. Obviously, he did the entire game, but they were playing him more straight up, I would say, in the first half. And he got to wherever he wanted to, whether it was Jalen, whether it was Sadiq, whether it was a switch, whether it was DeJounte, no one could stop him. Um, And as they started to run more double teams at him and more blitzes and more showing in the second half, they did slow the scoring down a little bit. But then the Mavs started to get to wide open shots. Luka is a very good passer. Uh, an elite passer, honestly, and he's also so tall that if you double him, he can get to that open look one, two passes away, lots of open threes for the Mavs, lots of layers for the Mavs. So it, it kind of became a pick your poison spot for the Hawks defense. And the Mavs, unfortunately, as Quinn said post game, I think he's right about this, even though it doesn't like it's not satisfying to hear the Mavs supporting players made shots too. like the combination of Josh Green and Dante Exum going six or seven from three. Yes, they were wide open shots, and that's obviously a bad defensive position, but they also kind of all went in. Luca was so hot. Um, Hardaway was kind of not great in this one, but other than that, like there's no right answer, but I think the Hawks were actually better. This guy sound crazy. They were better in this game in the first half on defense on the whole when they were just kind of not quote-unquote letting Luca score, but kind of playing him to be a scorer. They were actually less effective in the second half when they were trying to play more aggressively, get the ball out of his hands. 
because they were unable to scramble on the backside. And the Hawks have been so bad this year all the way around at rotating on the backside. And that was definitely the case in this one. Nothing new there. This is a bad defensive basketball team. I don't want to I don't want to say that to be negative or whatever. The reality is this is a very bad defensive team right now. And that was on full display no matter what the coverage was in this game. And I, I think that, yeah, you know, generously doubling him in the second half did prevent him from scoring 80 plus points. And that's again, that sounds insane to say out loud, but he had 70 points in the game, and I think he would have had 80 plus had the Hawks not started to double him. So there's that. But they actually got worse. So Beyond the Lucas stats, the Mavs had a 140 offensive rating in the game. That is obviously a ridiculous number. And the Hawks were actually worse in the second half defensively. So in the first half, Luka had 41 points. That's already crazy. Dallas had a 132 offensive rating. That's obviously excellent for the for Dallas, bad for the Hawks. In the second half, Luka only, quote-unquote, had 32, so he had less points. But the second half offensive rating for Dallas was 146.4. So doubling him, in short, this is a very simple explanation, did not help. It just allowed the Mavs to even get better shots along the way. And for the full game, Dallas had 75% true shooting. That's not a misprint. That's quite, that's wild. They had to line 32 times. The Hawks did one thing well defensively in this game, and that was rebound. And they actually did that quite well in this one. But when Dallas isn't missing a lot of shots, it doesn't actually matter that much. Um, I'll kind of leave it there. I, I could do stats on this forever and kind of rant about this forever, but you know, this is a podcast for Hawks fans for the most part. And... Look, it was it was maddening, and it's not anything new. It was kind of just on full display that they just didn't have any pitches to go to. Quinn did try different coverages. Like it was like the Hawks just stood in the same thing the entire game and didn't try anything. It's just that they tried everything and nothing was working because once they started doubling, it was death. One on one was death. They, they had no one to guard him. So when they loaded up on it, it just opened up everything else, and they executed. And hats up to Dallas, hats up to Luca. They were both really good in this game, but um, it is what it is. Quickly. Before we turn to the play-by-play and kind of the game flow portion of this podcast, no one wants to hear this, and I understand that, but my job is to give you the comprehensive picture of what transpired in this game. And I have to say, the offense for the Hawks was actually good. Like, capital G good. They had a 134 offensive rating in this game. That is excellent. Like, really good offense most of the way. Um, They were 15-34 to from three. They had 65% true shooting. They got to the line 30 times. They had 32 assists. They had seven turnovers in the whole game. That is an incredibly good ratio. They had four and a half times as many assists as turnovers. They had five guys with 16 points or more in the game. They had eight guys with eight points or more in the game. They were really good offensively. Were they perfect? No. But, man, when you're going to lose a game, when you score like the way the Hawks did in this game, it's tough. And I have to, you know, coming into the night, and I've said it before on the show the last couple of weeks, but just to put some numbers on it, the Hawks were near the bottom of the league in offensive rating over the last 10 games. And for this Hawks team, that is really rough because they're an offense first team. Now, part of that is that Trey missed some time and they are not the same team without Trey, no matter what anybody says about that. The Hawks are not better without Trey. It is what it is. But with him back, they did bounce back offensively in this one. They actually executed very well. Um, it wasn't like anybody was like individually perfect, but Jalen had a good game. Trey had a pretty good game. DeJounte made some, made some big shots along the way. Um, Bogey got hot at one point. So like there were lots of positives on offense. It's just that, the defense was so bad that it didn't matter. And, uh, you know, the big story last was going to be Luka. That's certainly earned in this case. And it was history. I have never been at a basketball game that was like the one tonight in a lot of ways. Um, just the sheer insanity of it all and the numbers and 73 points. It's just wild to give up. But, um, yeah, in the end, as far as the Hawks are concerned, it's a five-point loss. They were in the game all the way to the end, but another one uh, got to go in the wrong way. And 
it's uh, unavoidable to look ahead to the deadline in a couple of weeks and just kind of point to like, this team's going to have to change some stuff. We, we all kind of know that already, but that was another reminder tonight to be sure. All right, we'll have more on this game coming up, I promise you, on that. And before we get to that stuff, though, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. Today's show is sponsored by eBay Motors and our partners over there at eBay Motors, a team of Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy basketball picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire in your fantasy leagues, every single week we'll have you being provided with some players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster from Josh. So let's see now who Josh believes has, and has picked out for us on this week's edition of eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And as always... Josh has a full list of guys to highlight this time around, but we're going to focus on one of them, and that is rookie standout Brandon Miller from the Hornets. Josh notes that Miller is in line for a big uptick in usage with Terry Rozier, now traded to Miami from Charlotte. Kyle Lowry not going to report to the, to the Hornets, so um, more opportunities for Miller, who's been playing very well in recent days. Last five games, including tonight for Brandon Miller, 20 points a game, 54% shooting, and uh, lots more usage along the way. For the season, he's averaging about 15 points a game, shooting well from three. Um, certainly, uh, he's in line, I would say, for all he can eat now with Rogier away and the Hornets clearly in rebuilding mode as they already have been, but certainly even more so now. And also, of course, Miller has real talent as a top, as a you know, number two overall pick. Um, lots of talent there. And Josh still believes that he is a buy low or at least as someone who should be buying on on the way up when it comes to Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast, as he is sharing with you all the time. And he will always help you with winning your fantasy championships. And eBay Motors, by the way, knows about championship teams and, and they know. That it's all about each player being a perfect fit for your roster. It's the same, by the way, for your vehicle. I'm on the road a ton for work, including tonight, going to Hoss games all over the place. And there have been times when I actually needed to find upgrades for my car, even to just find a fix for a part or two, keep things running and on schedule. And the best possible place to do that is eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you can make sure that your car truck stays running smoothly. They have brake kits and roof racks and LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your vehicle happens to need, eBay Motors is going to have it for you. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride. Each and every time, the first time, and if it doesn't, your money is coming back to you. Plus, at these prices, you are burning rubber and not burning cash. Keep your ride or die alive right now at ebaymotors.com. One more time, that is ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit is available only to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, and to the game flow in this one, uh, actually, Jalen Johnson had a good start to this one. He was their most efficient scorer in this game. First seven points for Jalen in this one. As I mentioned before, he, he guarded Luka a lot. Um, this is not me picking on Jalen at all. I think that he was their best option against Luca in this game, but he's not used to being the primary guy. And I think he'll keep growing in that role. He'll do that more often, but um, not his best work. Not, not, not that it was for anybody in this one. And generally speaking, they had no options against Doncic all the way, which I talked about before. Um, he had 18 points in the first nine minutes of the game. That was only the start of things, of course. They played nine guys in this one, did the Hawks. Um, the same guys who've been playing every game recently, other than Trent Forrest, did not appear with Trey Young back in the lineup. And Patty Mills was only a fringe participant, only five minutes for Patty. So it was mostly eight guys that played, although Patty got some time in that first half. Um, when Luka went to the bench in the first quarter, the Hawks were down by four points. And then they had an immediate, and I mean immediate, 8-0 run to take the lead. So still in this game, Luka was plus 13 in a five-point game. So And he played, again, 45 minutes. So the Hawks actually bludgeoned the Mavs in three minutes when Luka was Luka off the floor. And that was basically all of that run in the first quarter. But the Hawks, again, started playing well offensively. They were up four at that point, And that was their largest, I think, of the whole game. That was their biggest lead. Uh, Bogey got hot in the second quarter. He had 13 points in about six minutes. But the Hawks were only able to kind of break even in that stretch, which is kind of a got, <laughs> honestly, kind of felt like the rest of the game in a lot of ways. Because the Hawks were able to score, and that included that run by Bogey. They just couldn't 
kind of cut into the lead or take the lead because they couldn't stop Luca. He had 30 points with five minutes to go in the first half. Um, you know, not a whole lot going on there. Offensively, it was kind of the, the same story. Five turnovers. They were really, really efficient. Luca had 41 of 66 points for the Maps in a tie game in the first half. Um, and they got to put the Hawks being plus seven with him on with him off the floor. In the second half, the Hawks trailed the entire way. Now they were never down by more than eleven, but they were they were behind the eight ball the entire way because they were down again. It was tied at halftime, but by the middle of the quarter, they were down by six eight points. They started to again blitz Luca more often, sending two guys to the ball. It did slow his scoring down, but there was lots of easy looks coming. There was a nine two run by Dallas in the middle of the quarter to go up eleven. They had 30 points in the first eight minutes of the third. It was kind of, you know, the Hawks did stabilize offensively and they kept scoring. In fact, the Hawks had 77 points after halftime, but they just couldn't stop anybody. Again, um, I don't want to overstate it too much. They did try DeJounte on Luka some in the fourth quarter. Um, they didn't stick with it either time for that long. I thought DeJounte was competitive. Like one thing that Quinn said after the game is that they didn't do a good enough job getting up into Luka in the first quarter, first half. And DeJounte, while he was overpowered size-wise, obviously against Luka, who's much bigger than him, he did give good effort, like just getting up into the ball, as he is wont to do. Um, Luka did have the first eight points of the, of, of the quarter. I will say, um, I saw some officiating complaints. I don't blame you. The, the only call that I really was like just disgusted by was this, and was this continuation call that Luka got in the fourth quarter that was uh, just a wild one, especially because nobody else got that call the entire game. It was just a weird one. It was only one play, but it is what it is. Um, it was just a total annihilation. In fact, Luca had 65 points with 10 minutes to go. So the Hawks did kind of slow him after that. But again, it was not really particularly friendly. And the Hawks kept making shots. To their credit, um, Murray hit a shot. They actually had a, a nice friendly bounce on a three-point shot to cut the lead down to six at one point. Um, Bay hit a three to get, to get down, to, down to seven. There was actually a bizarre technical foul call on Garrison Matthews from the bench. He was already out of the game. Weird stuff there. But they hit another three, so did Murray, and they were back within six with about four and a half minutes to go into a timeout. It's like, all right, they're in this game. And then Trey drew a charge right out of that. Murray got, Murray got to the paint and scored, got within four. Then they actually gave up a wide open three to, to Tim Hardaway Jr., but he missed it. So the Hawks had the ball down four with like three to go, but then uh, Murray missed, and then Hardaway got another wide open three, and this time he actually made it. And you honestly expect that, like, I think it's fair to say if you give Tim Hardaway Jr. two wide open threes, he's probably going to make one of them, and he did. Uh, Murray then drove into traffic and got blocked. That led to a fast break to have Luka get a three-point play, and within a blink of an eye, the lead goes back up to 10. And it felt like the Hawks were in deep trouble at that point. Now, they bounce back. Trey hit a three right after that. They got a stop. Uh, Jalen scored. Hardaway blew a layup. In fact, the Mavs had three possessions in a row that ended with a miss from within five feet. So the Hawks were down 10 and honestly on life support. But then Dallas, really the whole, the only time in the whole game, didn't really put the Hawks away. They had these three possessions where they had not like wide open layups, but certainly like bunny adjacent shots. And they missed all three of them. And then Murray got downhill, got fouled. He missed the first free throw, but he made the second one. And the Hawks were within three with 140 to go. And that was as close as it got from there because they allowed Dante Exum to have a wide open three. Lucas swung it to him. Again, XM's not a great shooter, but it was a practice wide open three. So, you know, sometimes you miss those shots. Sometimes you make those shots. He made that one. And the Hawks did go quick. Jalen scored to get back to four. And then Luca split a double team between DeJounte and Clint Capella and got, got downhill. Um, Jalen fouled him at the rim, three point play. And the Hawks are down seven with about a minute to go. And at that point, 
you're not dead, but you're close to dead. Um, it wasn't quite over. The Mavs did try to give it back a little bit. Trey hit a deep three with about nine seconds to go to cut the lead down to three. So if the Hawks had gotten a miracle steal, they would have been back in the game. It took the Hawks, though, almost five seconds to foul, which was not ideal. It honestly seemed to me like the Hawks did not want to foul Luka to give him more points <laughs> because they should have fouled him right away, and they didn't. Uh, he passed the Hardaway Jr. who they fouled. He made both anyway, so it didn't actually matter, but they wasted too much time there. It didn't, you know, again, little minor things there. He, they, they made both shots to end it, but the Hawks were down the whole second half. I know it was tied at halftime, but they never got out of the game. They were in it. They kept scoring. They made plays when they had to. It was that Dallas, with the exception of that string of possessions where they actually missed three shots in a row at the rim, their shot quality was absurdly good in the second half. Not only was Luka scoring, as he still had 32 points in the second half, but the threes they got you know, were, again, practice open shots for the most part. And um, it was an all-quadrant defensive collapse from the Hawks in this game. No question about that. Dallas is really good offensively. There's nothing to be said otherwise on that. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, I'll leave it there for now. The Hawks just were not able to overcome that. I will say they were actually plus nine in Trey's minutes. So the Hawks were actually, what was that mean? They were minus 14 with Trey off the court in this one. So it was the second unit offense was a little bit struggling. Um, you know, the starters were not always perfect either. Capella had a uneven game. Bay had an uneven game, etc. But in the end, it was just the simple version of this game was the Hawks were really good offensively, but they were worse than that defensively. And that ends up uh, leading to this loss. All right, we'll have more coming up when it comes to the player evaluations in this game. And uh, at the end of the podcast, a little bit of a brief look ahead to what's to come. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Grammarly. I speak from experience when I say that writing can be really hard. And when it comes to writing, Grammarly is there to support you from start to finish. For more than a decade now, Grammarly has been powered by AI technology that you are trusting to help you when you write most and where you write the most as well. And now Grammarly can help you do even more with your writing with one click. You can either brainstorm, rewrite, and even reply with suggestions based on your goals and the context that you're looking for. It helps you to be productive for yourself and for your team. I know Grammarly has been huge for helping me, helping me make things clear. It also cuts down on writing and editing time for me, uh, for purposes. And honestly, I do a solo podcast five times a week. And there's a lot of writing that is involved with this podcast, believe it or not. And with Polish, they can help you out with that when it comes to being concise and rewriting, etc. You have to have to present something at work. And also, Grammarly will help you to create a personalized outline that get you, get you organized, make your presentation more compelling. Or if you need to step through your emails at a quicker pace, Grammarly can help with that as well with summarization and also bring suggestions for faster replies to your emails. And the best part about Grammarly is that it's also free to use. Start being more productive at work right now and go to Grammarly.com slash podcast. Go there right now. Download for free today. One more time. It is Grammarly, which is G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y, Grammarly.com slash podcast. All right, and to the players in this game, and obviously a roller coaster along the way. Uh, it's kind of it's going to sound funny. The Hawks have played much worse games than this <laughs> this year. Like a five-point loss to Dallas isn't a calamity. It's just the way this unfolded defensively was kind of frustrating. Anyway, uh, to the players. Patty Mills, five minutes. He was obviously the ninth man. Minus eight in his minutes did not actually notch a stat. He was zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero shots, etc. Um, the one thing I'll say was that Patty gave good effort defensively, but I think that if he's going to play, he has to shoot. He didn't shoot in this game. Garrison Matthews, 14 minutes off the bench, eight points, two rebounds, did, did have a technical foul, which is a little bit strange. Plus five, took two shots, made both of them. He had a rough night shooting it on Wednesday, bounced back tonight. He's back to like 50% or so on threes this year. I thought he was fine in this game, honestly. Uh, Akongwu, 
Not his best, but not his worst either. Eight points, six rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Had four fouls in 23 minutes. I would have closed with the Kong Wu, provided the Hawks were going to play the way they did. So I'll do that now before I talk about Clint in a second. The Hawks were closing the game, deciding to trap on Luka. And as I, as I sort of said before, I would have played this right up if I had to choose. I think that would have been a, bit, a little bit more effective. But they didn't do that. And if you were going to play the trapping, scrambling scheme, Akong was better at that than Capella. He's much more versatile in space. He's rangier at this point, especially with Capella having an injury coming into the night. I would have closed with Akong if that was going to be their plan. That's my only note on that. He wasn't great, but I thought he was okay. Uh, to the starters. Capella, 10 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 block. He had a rough start to the game, I will say. He was a little bit creaky early on this one. Again, he, he had a calf contusion, questionable coming in, so not quite his physical burst self. He rebounded the ball well in this game. I thought he gave him decent minutes, but um, not like his best and a bad matchup for him a lot with the way that Dallas was playing, especially once again when they started trapping. Not what Clint is going to do best. Um, Sadiq Bay, 38 minutes, 16 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, hit two threes. He wasn't great, but he hit two big ones in the fourth quarter, which were notable to me. Five assists, zero, zero turnovers, which is pretty good too. Uh, minus 14. The only guys who had really ugly plus minuses were Sadiq at minus 14, and DeJounte was actually minus 21 in this game. He was by far the worst for the Hawks in that stat. And again, I don't want to overstate that. Plus minus is not always the end-all be-all. It's not always indicative, but just, note, just noting that as I usually would. Um, Jalen Johnson was good on offense in this game. 25 points on 12 shots. 37 minutes. He was very efficient going to the rim. Part of the, the Hawks' good offense in this game. He fouled out late. Um, but I thought, you know, it's kind of a weird game for Jalen. I don't, I don't want to say it again, but defensively, he was overmatched against Luka, as essentially everyone was, but he had, the, so I would say, more than the bulk of the Luka minutes. And uh, he tried. It wasn't an effort problem for him, just a uh, craft problem at this point in time. But they were still plus six in Jalen's minutes, so it wasn't like he was bad. DeJounte, 22 points, seven, re- sorry, seven assists, five rebounds for Murray, um, six of 11 on twos. 3 of 7 from 3, got to the line for 2 attempts, so he was uh, solidly efficient. 22 points on 19 shot attempts, not great, but certainly fine. Um, defensively, he was really rough, I thought, in the first two and a half quarters or so. And late in the game, he was better, um, more engaged effort-wise, and then just sort of just aggressiveness-wise. Didn't always work, but he was at least more dialed in. Um, I made a comment during the game that I observed, and people on the press row saw the same thing I did, that he and Quinn had a, a little bit more animation than usual together, Back and forth, uh, I got some people that were at the game that were fans that were around the bench area. At home, we're a little bit further away from the bench. Can't really hear what's being said. Um, there was some talk that, like, maybe it was uh, about de- defensive stuff and how Quid, uh, they wanted Dejounte to, to be more aggressive defensively. I theorized in the moment, and I did say it was just a guess, that uh, Quinn, uh, Dejounte was going, was going a little bit rogue offensively in the fourth quarter. Um, that's not my opinion. That, that happened. I watched that. I don't know if that was the reason why they got into it a little bit. But it was mostly harmless. I wasn't trying to like sound an alarm. It was just something I noticed that because it happened more than once. And also, it's not usually what you see between Quinn and DeJounte. So I at least noted it. Um, I thought DeJounte was a little bit shot happy, a little bit ISO happy in the fourth quarter of this game. He was still fine offensively. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like he was bad, just a little bit. Um, it struck out to me that he was, it wasn't just him. There was a lot of Trey like standing in the corner in the fourth quarter, which is not what you want offensively. Like it's different to play off each other, but it was kind of like the Dejounte ISO show for a while, which I didn't love. But I thought he was fine defensively. Like no one was good, but you know it is what it is. Uh, and lastly, Trey, he was back in this game: thirty points, eleven assists, three steals, and two turnovers. Plus nine in the game. Again, plus nine on minus fourteen off. 
kind of indicative, I thought, in this game, if you watch the way this sort of unfolded. The offense just flows better with Trey. It's not like a huge surprise. It's always been the, it's always been the case. Um, he wasn't great from three, two of seven, but he was seven of 11, seven of 11 on twos. That's the line 11 times, so 30 points on about 23 possessions. Not like incredible, but certainly fine. Um, I don't think he was his 100% self. In fact, Quinn said there was a minutes restriction for Trey of some kind. A little bit strange because it was concussion protocol, but he ended up playing 33 minutes, so not a huge workload in a game where some guys played 37, 38, but he was out there and looked like himself for the most part. So that's nice as he sort of comes out of the concussion protocol. Um, so yeah, that's where I'll leave. Oh, I skipped Bogey. My apologies. But Bogdanovich, big first half, high school second half is what it is. 24 points on 22 shots. He was actually 5 of 13 on twos. A little bit strange how often he was taking twos in this game, but um, made some threes, got hot in the first half. It was a bogey game in a lot of ways, plus three off the bench. So, in the end, the short version, Hawks scored well. They did not stop anybody. Luka was absurd. It is what it is. Um, by the way, I have no interest in relitigating the Luka trade. If you've listened to this podcast for a long time, you will note my position on that. If you remember that, uh, I didn't like the trade when it happened. Um, I was vocal about that. It is what it is. But I have, you know, Doing it all again now doesn't make any difference. Trey's really good. Luca was incredible tonight. I don't think you have to really relitigate all of that stuff today. But um, yeah, they lost the game, and it is what it is. They'll, they'll play Dallas again in April. In fact, the NBA announced today that the game in Dallas in April is moving up a day because of the, long story short, the Warriors had to reschedule some games that they got postponed last week. One of those is against Dallas, and then they had to move the Hawks game to accommodate Dallas. So anyway, it's, still, it's, it's a one-day change, not a huge deal. Um, speaking of the schedule moving forward, the Hawks play five more games in a row at home, starting with the game on Sunday against Toronto. That is the easiest game of the bunch on paper because Toronto is not very good right now. Um, they look quite different than they did the last time the Hawks saw them. They play, um, they're not, they now do not have Siakam or Ananobi on the team. So that'll be interesting in a lot of different ways, but some home games, some favorable spots. Does it actually matter? I don't know. Lots of Hawks fans are conflicted about that. Uh, the bigger story, of course, is the deadline, which is coming up in less than two weeks now. So stay tuned for all of that stuff. I'll have full coverage. There's not a lot going on um, compared to yesterday. It's been one day since I, since I talked trade on this podcast, so I'm not going to really uh, have much to add as far as new rumors are concerned. But I'll have coverage of that moving forward, I promise you. And the best place to find Hawks coverage, hopefully, is this podcast. So please subscribe to the show. Apple, Spotify, Overcast on the audio side, as well as YouTube on the video side. If you are also a subscription, uh, a subscriber, I should say, to the audio feeds, you get some bonus content from the folks at Locked on Sports Atlanta after games. So that'll be in your feeds as well. Ratings and reviews appreciated on any podcast platform. Uh, also like the show on YouTube. And please tell a friend about the podcast. You can do that on social media, where we are also at Locked on Hawks on Twitter, as well as at BT Roland, my personal account. I also write about the Hawks regularly at patreon.com slash btroll. And if you want to find that, I shared some audio today from Quinn Snyder pregame from DeAndre Hunter. It's a good place to kind of just, I throw some stuff there on a regular basis that is uh, helpful if you are a diehard Hawks fan. So check that out as well. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening to the podcast. I'm sure not everyone will be dialed in to this one because it was a frustrating game in some ways, but we'll have more coming at some point this weekend. If anything happens big, I'll of course jump in with a podcast. If nothing else, I'll be back in the building on Sunday for Hawks Raptors and have a game recap podcast at the end of that one. So stay tuned. Thank you one more time for listening to the podcast and we'll see you at the very latest after the game on Sunday.